Hello, and welcome to Malavision, the podcast that gives you the vision and the voice to be heard. Hello, everybody, and today I am joined by the one and only Lord Lieutenant of Kent, and she is in well known as Lady Colgrain. Um, hopefully I'm saying that right. Absolutely, that's correct. Um, so, so tell me, what was it like when you were given that title? Um, well, it was a, it was a huge honour. I wasn't really expecting it. Um, I'd been a deputy lieutenant for about 12 years, I suppose, something like that. And then there's a big um, sort of consultation process as to who should be the the, the, the next Lord Lieutenant. Um, and then I was I was rung at one point to see whether I would be prepared to do it. And um, I said that I would, and I was interviewed. And um, anyway, so it's a huge honour to have been given the role of Lord Lieutenant as the King's representative in the county, or it was the Queen's representative in the county at the point when I was a, when I was appointed. So, have you ever been given the honour to meet the King himself? I have. I actually met him when he came to Kent last year, when he was still the Prince of Wales. And we had a wonderful visit where we covered ooh, a lot of ground. He started off in, on the Isle of Sheppey um, and then went to the Elmley Nature Reserve. And then we finished up with the Chatham Historic Dockyard and um, the uh, the Copper Rivet distillery um, because he's actually patron of uh, or was patron of the historic dockyard and we we wait to see which royal patronage is will will continue now that he's the king um, but he but we had a wonderful visit um, and we really hope we're that we'll be able to entice him back to Kent again this year. Do you think that since becoming the Lord Lieutenant of Kent it has taken a toll on your mental health at all? Or do you think that you've been one of the lucky ones and you haven't actually experienced that? That's an interesting question. Um, no, I don't think it has, has any uh, effect on my mental health. I have worked um, on the front line with Citizens Advice for oh, more than 25 years. Um, so you know, I'm I'm quite used to, to um, listening to people and um, and 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 trying to help them and support them and give advice. Um, and sometimes I'm uh, was dealing with clients in quite difficult circumstances, and so that can take your take its toll on your mental health. Um, but this is actually it's such fun actually being Lord Lieutenant, and it's. It's a great privilege being able to go round and meet people. I love meeting people. And so you go around and, and visit lots of interesting places and meet lots of interesting people. So is is the Lord Lieutenant the only thing you do or do you do other things as well? Yes, no. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the trustee of a very large grant-giving charity, um, uh, called the Henry Smith Charity, which gives a lot of lot of money away to to, to charities. It's a four hundred year old um, charity, um, and so that actually takes up quite a bit of my time at the moment. I've been a trustee there for about nine years and got one more year to go. 
but last year we distributed £70 million across the UK. So it's, it's, it's one of the biggest players in the grant-giving giving charitable world. Um, I also live on a farm, and so um, I get involved, not on the day-to-day running of the farm, but um, I do a lot of the paperwork and enjoy being... I, I run some of, the, some of the enterprises that we do on the farm as well. And I'm also now a grandmother. Um, I have two small grandchildren. So I spend a, every now and again, I get the panic phone call, Mum, can you come and help? <laughs> so that's, that's good fun as well. And what's it like having the grandma, you know, sort of title? You know, being a grandma is, you know, being a mum is something, but being a grandma is something completely different. So what's it like? Well, the great thing about being a grandmother is that you have all the fun and then you can hand them back when they're getting <laughs> when they're getting a bit obstreperous. So but it's 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 a it's a wonderful relationship. My they're very small, my grandchildren, they're one and three. Um but it's uh, in a funny sort of way you've got more time to enjoy them um and to see uh, see the, the, the changes on a day to day basis. When you're a parent you're so busy and you're, you're juggling so many different things um, that sometimes the, the day-to-day changes that, that, that happen with your children, you're, you're so involved, you're so close, you don't actually notice them. Whereas as a grandparent, it's been an absolute joy watching them grow up. And do you find, um, going back to your Lord Lieutenant role, do you think that ever takes a toll on the time you can spend with your grandchildren or children oh definitely I mean sometimes I feel a little bit guilty because childcare is so expensive now I have a lot of friends who actually look after their grandchildren sort of one day a week on a, on a regular basis I of course can't do that um, so but I do I do do my best there was one moment when I thought that I was when I only had one grandchild at the time, and we had a royal visit planned, and and I was in sole charge of the grandchildren, so or the grandchild, and I thought that I was going to have to take him along on the royal visit, <laughs> which was could have been a little bit bit awkward, yeah. But but it's um, uh, I, sometimes I, I think I mean I was actually my son rang me the other day and said. Mum, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Oh, God, that means you can't come and help us because we've got to take one, take one of the children to hospital. So you feel a bit guilty at that. What do you do when you find yourself having that guilt factor? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, just feel guilty, really. Um <laughs> But do my best to try to come up with a with a, with an alternative solution. Actually, which I I mean it was meant to be yesterday, and actually I sort of suddenly realised that I said, well, if you know if, if it's a real emergency, I I will fit be finished with what I'm doing at two o'clock, and I could get a two o'clock train up to London, and I could be with you by by three o'clock. So you know, one will do what one's best. Yeah. Um. Well. Um. I I feel like um, what everybody would will be dying to know. So one of the rules are um, that the royal family aren't allowed to play Monopoly. Is is that true or? 
I've certainly never heard that. <laughs> and and the, the royal family are quite quite um, um, renowned for actually enjoying sort of party games and after dinner games and things oh, like really? consequences. So um, um, I think that they're they're big party um, and game players. I would have thought that they'd be very competitive on Monopoly. This is really funny because everybody always says online that Monopoly, the royal family cannot play Monopoly. And I'm so interested in this because people always say, um, oh yeah, the royal family aren't allowed to play Monopoly because it causes arguments. And so, yeah, that's actually really interesting. Well, another thing I want to ask then is, is it true that the royal family aren't allowed to be on social media? Um, no, I don't think that's true. As I mean, I think they have already have their own Twitter accounts, and um, and they and they 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 like to get it out there what they're going out and doing, and the and the causes that they support. Um, I think they're probably wise to be careful about what they say um, certainly they 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 need to to keep above the above the fray with politics and things but um i think they have um, um enjoy their social media accounts do you know this is really interesting because obviously you know your you know your you sort of manage when you know the royal families and you know they're part of kent and obviously you're quite a big you know you're not royal but you're quite a big part of that so it's really interesting to uh actually find out all this uh information and to find out you know these the the you know to myth bust them it's it's really actually quite interesting because Another thing everybody always says is royal family don't have social media. But but if a royal family doesn't have a social media, that's not because they're not allowed, that's because they don't want to. Is that right? Well, I can't speak for them. But as I say, I mean, I, I'm not very good with social media. <laughs> um, and I don't know what the what the younger role, um, role members of the royal family are, are like. But certainly they do have... Um, uh, Twitter accounts um, where they where they publicise some one of the big roles for the royal family and, and what I consider to be part of my role as well is to go out and say thank you to all the sort of volunteers and people who are um, you know, doing great things for their communities and I think they use their social media account to publicise the the organisations that they're going to going to um, to visit. Um, they probably don't use them so much to express their personal personal feelings in the way that a lot of people do use um, social media. But I would say that a lot of the the royal family are in many ways it's the story. They don't want the story to be about them. They want the story to be about the things that they're going out and doing. So do you know it, it's really interesting, and I am fascinated by this because though. I um I I always 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 thought that the um that yeah the royal family um weren't allowed social media. I also thought they weren't allowed to play Monopoly because it's competitive and it could cause arguments. So it's actually really interesting. Well, I guess another one then is 
going off the topic but more onto the royal family side how was it when uh the queen sadly passed was that a struggle for you as obviously because you would have been quite close with her because she would have been me coming to kent and she you know she was um our queen for 70 years so do you think that uh the 70 years did you obviously you saw the queen more so what was she like well Malachi, i should say that i i only became lord lieutenant when we were already in lockdown in in, in april 2020 so the last time that the queen visited kent or the late queen visited kent was actually in 2019 when she came to open um, part of the village at the Royal British Legion Industries. So sadly, um, during my time as Lord Lieutenant, I've never, I never had the chance to actually meet her. But along with everybody else, I was, I was, I was born only a couple of years after she was crowned queen, um, and so she was part of my, in of my entire life. And I think rather like a lot of other people, when she died, it was almost like losing a member of your family. Um, um, and it sounds sort of silly to talk about being sort of orphaned in that way, but it, it, it felt a little bit like that, that there was somebody who'd been there throughout my life um, who was no longer there any longer. Do you think there's expectation for you that you feel like you should live up to when um, speaking to and about the royal family? Uh, yes, I think I probably do feel there's a responsibility there to get it right. Um, you know, I'm making it up as I go along, really, a lot of the time. It is a privilege to have been chosen to be the king's representative. Um, and there are lots of things that are sort of official duties that you have as Lord Lieutenant. But also... It depends on, on the county and, and what you make of it. Um, I sometimes say, uh, you know, there is a Lord Lieutenant for every county in England, and in, but also in Scotland and in Northern Ireland and Wales. One of my counterparts up in Scotland told me it took him 10 minutes to drive from one side of his, of his patch to the other. Whereas for me, it could take me, I don't know, two and a half hours to drive from where I live on the west of the county to Margate, for instance. You know, it is a huge county with so much going on there. Um, and, you know, we've got um, um, two cathedrals and we've got several regiments, um, two crown courts, um, seven prisons. Um, you know, there's, it's, there's a plus all the myriad of, of organisations and charities that are working in the county. Um, and it's a very varied county. So... You know, I I like to get around and to 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 go to all parts of the county, so um, you know it take it's 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 pretty much a full time job from from my point of view. Um, so, but to know that I am the king's representative, you know, I'm conscious that if I if I put a, a, a foot wrong, then um, it will impact badly on the reputation of the monarchy. So it is a rep- it is a huge responsibility. Well, now you say that, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated to know, I guess then you're nervous about coming on this podcast, are you? Yes. <laughs> um, and public speaking doesn't come, come naturally to me. Um, 
I've just come from, um, well, I mean, I'm getting used to it, but it, I mean, I do probably give speeches now sort of quite a lot of the time. And I've literally, before coming here, I've just been up at the wonderful Eleanor Hospice, um, where I, I was breaking ground for the, the building of their new wing. Um, so, you know, and I made a little speech there. Um, but um, it was the sort of thing that when I was younger, it absolutely horrified me, the idea of standing up in front of people and making speeches. But when you when you take on this role, you realise you've just got to to learn how to do it. And it, I'll probably have got the hang of it by the time I finish. <laughs> have you ever met the, um, obviously, because you've only been doing it since 2020, um, obviously you obviously we have been out of lockdown for a long time but have you been able were you at the king's coronation what i'm trying to say is have you been in 20 big um big coronation events or big um events to do with the royal family oh well yes um i mean in many ways i mean sadly not long after i was i became um lord lieutenant um, of course, we had the sad death of the the Duke of Edinburgh, um, but we were in lockdown at the time, so there were no big events. Um, and then, then we had the Queen's Jubilee, um, and I was lucky enough to go to the Jubilee um, service at St Paul's Cathedral, um, which was followed by a wonderful lunch at Guildhall, which was hosted by the Lord Mayor of London. Um, and then, of course, not long afterwards, we had the sad death of the late Queen. And so I did actually go to the, her funeral um, at Westminster Abbey. Um, and so it was lovely to be back at Westminster Abbey again last week for... Is it only last week? Um, for the... Well, ten days ago, I suppose now, for the actual coronation. So, um, yes, it's been a huge privilege to be at those major events and then, of course, in Kent itself, then we had wonderful services at Rochester Cathedral and at Canterbury Cathedral for, well, for all those events as well. Um, so, you know, we mirror what's going on nationally. Um, and um, and so I w- I was, I've been lucky enough to be at all of those services as well. You um, mentioned about um, events and how... Um you were able to um, go to the Queen's funeral at Westminster Abbey. Um, what what was the atmosphere like um, in that time? Obviously, it's a sad time, and obviously, there will be people um, who will have gone to show their respects. But how did it feel? One being there and supporting the royal family and showing your respects. But also, what was it like for the people who maybe weren't that respectful, meaning the members of public? I think on the whole, for, for, the, for the Queen's funeral, the vast majority of people were, were very sad and very respectful. Um, when you're in the Abbey, you're, you're, you're rather insulated from what's actually happening in the streets outside um and i still so i'm i actually got home after the funeral in time to watch the processions and and the the actual internment at at windsor um 
But after the coronation, I still haven't seen seen footage of the processions that were ha- that happened on on the way after after the coronation service. Um, and the television coverage that I found stopped at the moment when the king came out of the abbey. So I, at some point, I'm going to have time to sit down and 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 scroll the internet to find find um, footage of all the wonderful processions that t- took place. I think with the during the uh, for the Queen's um, funeral, you have to get into the Abbey very early, so you're there for a long time. But everyone was very it was very respectful, very subdued and sad. Um, so there was there was a sort of a you know murmur of people talking. But it, whereas for the coronation, um, I think we were much more unruly before the before the processions actually started in the Abbey. It's it's really quite sad when we lose someone, but especially someone who was a big part of um, the lives of so many. Um, you know, we, you know, we. D- I don't feel like we really think about what it's like. We think about what it's like to lose your mum or your dad or your brother or your family, but we don't really think about the royal family and about you know for example you know the duke of edinburgh or even um you know the queen the queen herself um and i think you know for somebody who you know reigned for 70 years you know for her then to sadly pass um though she was around 96 you almost don't prepare yourself or don't think that it's ever going to happen, you know, do you? I think as far as the Queen was concerned, we were so... She was so much part of our lives um, and had been there forever that it was very easy to think that she would continue forever. So I think when 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 her, when she actually died, it was a, a great shock um, because it happened so quickly. Um, although we knew she was getting frailer and hadn't been able to be at the services for instance for her um for her silver her, her platinum jubilee um she'd still appeared on the on on the balcony and we'd seen her um greeting the 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 new prime minister literally the day before she died um so it was a great shock when it came and i feel very sorry for the fa- for the royal family they have to do their grieving in public um and you know the the eyes of the world are watching them, and the new and the the, the um, cameras are close ups on their faces. It's terribly difficult. Wow. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure to um, have you on the um, podcast. Um, and I believe this is your first ever podcast you've been in, is it? It is my first podcast, and as I've said, said to you, I'm not very, very, very technically um, adept, so um, I need to um, get used to listening to more podcasts myself. Oh, you definitely do. Podcasting is such a um, new thing, and it's such a growing thing as well. Um, so, yeah, so guys, this has been um, the interview with Lady Colgrain, and you can find everything else out 
at my Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter page at Malavision2023. Thank you again, and I'll see you next week for another podcast. Thank you so much. Bye.